Hey everyone, welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. I'm John Martin. And I'm Dean Reverman. Dean, you have some experience with events, right? Yes, a, a little bit. Putting on events, hosting yeah, some events. Big events, little events, we got them all. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so when you're when you putting together an event, how do you decide where everything goes? Mm. Like imagine you're at the big show floor. Like think about, yeah, right? you know, we have our Vartex show coming uh-huh. up. We have Code uh-huh. Zone, this massive floor. Yeah, we just plan out the flow boots. where we want people to walk, what we want them to see, that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah. Like yeah. Maybe where yeah. your your you know, some of your favorite sponsors. Yeah. Oh, sponsors absolutely. Are. They get prime locations. Where the food is located. Food, That's always beverage. Important. Yes, yeah. got to put that in high traffic areas. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. Do you feel like you do a pretty good job with it? Do you think sometimes we you think f- so? You, you might find somebody people clustering over in one oh, side. Oh, clusters happen. Yes expecting yeah. or maybe they're drawn to certain booths more than others yes that happens so, all the time sure right. i'm sure it does yeah, yeah. well I, the reason why i'm talking about this is because part of our topic today we're going to talk about sensor-driven analytics yes we've got kaylin welch from fast sensor with us today and the guru uh, the guru yeah, that's and, right and a, and a big part of what they do and he'll explain <laughs> a lot more about what they do than we ever possibly could but a big part of what they do is work with events mm-hmm. and helping understand the flow of people going through those kind of giant conference halls. Mm-hmm. Where do people come in and out? What mm-hmm. you know? What doors do they typically use? Where should you be positioning your you know high value mm-hmm. booths that you really want people to see? Yep. Uh, where are there areas that you know you can maybe ignore or, or don't cluster well? Where the where should the food be? That's probably there you go. still a good question. Yeah, right. right? Where's the food so and let's beverage? Be honest, if you put wherever you put the food, people are going to head that way. Why not make sure there's <laughs> stuff along the way they're going to see. That's my thinking, yeah, at least. Yeah, yeah. So, But I'm not in this gig, so that's, <laughs> that's why we've got Kayla. But hey, we're also going to talk a little bit about, he's going to explain, like I said, a lot about what, yep. what they do, mm-hmm. how sensor sensor technology works. Uh-huh. Uh, we're going to talk about what they did during COVID, because yep. this is one of those businesses that did a great job of yep. kind of pivoting and yep. finding a way to use their technology. Great technology. Something extremely beneficial during yep. the COVID crisis. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to talk about now that events are coming back, what that means, and maybe where you might, our VAR audience might find mm-hmm. some opportunities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also talk about the retail space. Oh, because big angle there. there yep, too. yep, big angle there. No All doubt. that plus our usual value. Once of the again, bar. a lot to talk about today. Uh, once, as always, I Good mean, Lord. we don't come here with just nothing to talk <laughs> right? about. Come That's on, right. what's the point of that? <laughs> All that plus value to the var and what's tech connecting with us. It's time to plug in and get connected. Welcome to the Tech Connect podcast. It's time to get connected. <laughs> All right. As I mentioned, our guest today, Kaylin Welch, is the executive vice president of business development and the co-owner of Fast Sensor. Uh, Kaylin, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, before we get into kind of what Fast Sensor does and the whole sensor revolution thing, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, how you got to where you are, you know, how you got to you know uh, creating Fast Sensor and being the co-owner, uh, and, and maybe a little bit about your background. Sure, absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you, John and Dean, for having me on the show. Appreciate it as always. Um, a little bit about myself, uh, you know, I come from a, kind of a traditional uh, background, uh, went to school at UCLA, wound up in uh, IT strategy consulting with uh, a little company called Anderson Consulting, who became Accenture, uh, and then moved into a large advertising conglomerate, uh, Omnicom, for about 15 years and helped build some agencies and, and build business. Um, wound up uh, doing a cell phone manufacturing business, believe it or not, and co-founded one of those. That was a, an interesting, fun ride learned a lot and wound up selling that business and then working uh, with the founder and CEO of Fast Sensor, which is Daniel Bashara, who's now my business partner 
and uh, was was lucky enough to wind up uh, helping steer this ship that we're building uh, to get out there and hopefully change the world through analytics and data and artificial intelligence and machine learning. So that's my quick background. Um, what I do today, uh, act as the EVP of business development, pretty much run a lot of the front end of the business related to partnerships and sales team and uh, you know client and account management and customer success. Boom. Awesome. Modest yeah. goals. Changing the world through AI and yeah, machine you know, learning. and yes. All the buzzwords that we love to talk about here on the Tech and Yeah, I but podcast. Kalen's the real deal. That's, yeah, that's right. true. Yeah. Well, yeah. I do remember when I first heard about you guys a couple of years back, we were doing a marketing campaign with you. And I remember kind of initially looking at Fast Sensor and thinking, this is brilliant, but I, I, I it's way beyond me. You know? <laughs> right? Where, where are may, these guys And going? I was a little worried. Yeah. Maybe it's beyond like our customers too, but, <laughs> but they've definitely found their niche and they've, and they've, yeah. and they, and they make a great case for it. So yeah. let's kind of start off with that and help us understand a little bit more about what fast sensor does, how it, and, and how it compares sure. to when people think of, you know, this idea of keeping track of, you know, mm -hmm. where people are moving throughout a space and, mm -hmm. you know, identifying where people cluster together and, 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 and helping someone understand like how to set up the flow, whether it's a, a store, a, a showroom, a conference, you know, a, a hall, it, you know, most people think, well, there's, we already got beaconing for that and, and Wi-Fi solutions that can cover all that. Right. But your sensors and what you guys do is a little bit different. So help us understand what that difference is. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, first and foremost, I would say we are a journey measurement company. And what that means is that we can measure either a customer journey in a retail environment, a visitor attendee journey within a trade show or even your booth, um, or an employee journey within your industrial manufacturing warehouse or distribution environment. So that's another area that we can get into. You guys probably don't know that's a newer vertical for us uh, since COVID, and we'll talk about how that came to be. Um, but at the core of what we're doing, we are tracking uh, passive radio frequency signals, especially in the public spaces like your retail or your trade show environment. And all of us are carrying these IoT type devices, our phones, uh, you know, our watches, our tablets, our laptops, our Fitbits even, they're all emitting radio frequency passively and anonymously. Um, what Fast Sensor does is basically scan for those uh, through a multi-sensor sort of mesh network that we install within an environment. And then from there, we can actually locate those signals, deduplicate those signals, and then we can measure the journey. Now, it sounds like that's the magic, but really the magic is what happens in the cloud and with the artificial intelligence and machine learning algorithms and engine that we've built that's about eight plus years evolved with many different algorithms, we can actually understand behavior in a way that we can effectively predict what's going to happen within a space. So if you think about e-commerce and everything that's happening, and for the last 10 years, uh, some very big boys have been tracking our journeys online, what we click on, where we hover, what we put in our shopping cart, you know, what we ultimately purchase, they've gotten so good with their algorithms that they can predict purchase in up to two clicks. Okay. Literally think about that for a second. Now <laughs> think about us as the brick and mortar real world version of that same type of analytics. So we're using this sensor technology plus our algorithms and our AI and ML to study the journey and be able to understand it and provide metrics that help the businesses and the constituency interested to understand what's happening within those spaces so they can optimize them, reduce costs, maximize revenue, um, really many different use cases and applications. But hopefully that makes sense high level. Um, and then I can compare real quickly how we compare to what's on the market. Pretty much you've got your beacon solutions, which is a Wi-Fi, excuse me, a Bluetooth only. 
uh, requires a download and opt-in and you must have your Bluetooth on. You wind up with a very low penetration rate, so this really doesn't work in most of the retail environments at the trade shows uh, or other spaces like that. You wind up with three to 5% penetration. Um, so we compare and contrast that with generally 90 to 95% passive penetration and we're often in the 98, 99%. Basically, if you're not carrying a device, uh, we're probably not that interested in you anyway because you might not be there to do business, okay? Um, so that's how we kind of compare to the beacon space. and the Wi-Fi world, uh, it's kind of grabbing a large swath and it might pick up all my devices. And there's a lot going on behind the scenes with Mac randomization and some other sort of deep technical stuff that I won't drag you through. But the net net is um, they overcount and they undercount whereas we accurately count. So I think that's the, the primary difference. Um, in addition, we are actually measuring the journey. They're measuring the presence in most of those environments. So we're studying an entire journey through a space and we're able to then create those analytics and predictive metrics coming out of that data set. Hopefully that makes sense. Sorry for the technicalities here. No, yeah, really good, good stuff. stuff. In yeah. fact, there's a little bit to unpack there because we've worked a lot with Fast Sensor here at Blue sure. Star, great partner. And you know, first off, the anonymous amount of it. You know, they they are instantly tracking people when they get into an environment, whether it's in in a building or back a house, wherever it is. That that's really key because a lot of people have that question. Of course, beaconing technology can be used. I guess if you're trying to get that, oh oh, it's Dean Reverman that's now right. in our right. space uh, type of a thing. But yep. everything that Kaylin just said, I got to have the app on i gotta have it you know opted in and all that kind of stuff when really what's driving the marketplace on the retail side well all the all the verticals he just mentioned uh is just having that sure. raw analytics around where are people going who's coming in where are they going once they're here and, and some of the drivers uh, around that so uh it's pretty it's yeah it's pretty cool technology yeah. and then the whole back end I, I i agree it's something you kind of have to see but when you see their dashboards and the ai that they have deployed over years and years of development Element, really sophisticated stuff that can that can dive into there on the analytics that we'll get into here. Yep, yep. yep. And I want to talk more about the retail stuff in a moment, but yeah. you know, let's let's start off with the past year, half year and a half now. <laughs> Do we have to? I can't say the past year anymore because it's almost it's about a year and a half now yeah, practically, really. and and it's always informing a lot of what goes on. But as I mentioned at the top of the show, you are one of those companies that found a clear pivot point for yourselves, and not just you know. There's a lot of companies sure. that found an opportunity mm -hmm. to kind of cash in, if you will, on, mm -hmm. on the pandemic mm -hmm. and, and found a way to do that. But for you guys, it was more of a, hey, we know a way that our our product and our solutions can actually benefit people during this. So explain a little bit about that pivot and, and what you did to help essential businesses kind of stay safe and afloat last year. Yeah, good. Thank you for asking. So look, as the pandemic hit, we realized there was probably not going to be a lot of trade shows going on for a little while. Uh, we didn't know how long. Uh, retail started to slow down. People started getting locked down. And what became pretty obvious quickly is, you know, that those verticals were not going to be as strong as they were for us. Let's just put it lightly. Um, we looked at our technology and we said, well, what can we solve and how can we help the world at this point and also make sure that our business is healthy? Um, we realized that we had this amazing data set, which is a journey, location, proximity, figuring out where everybody is and how close for how long. Well, if you think about that, you probably know where I'm going. What became very, very, very needed during the pandemic was social distancing and contact tracing. So we took our existing technology, the exact same sensors we've been using for years, um, and applied a slightly different algorithm to understand a different type of journey. 
Now, in a retail environment, we might actually exclude through behavioral attributes who is an employee and who versus who is a customer, because we just want to look at customer data. In a social distancing environment, I need to know where everybody is. It doesn't matter who you're in contact with. I need to know how close and for how long. So if somebody gets sick, I know who else might be sick. So we were able to actually create um, a couple different solutions. Uh, we called one Atom, Active Distance Alert and Monitoring. And that became a social distancing and then evolved into a contact tracing solution. We added wearables uh, into it so we could measure physical proximity, duration, and we actually followed the CDC and WHO and built uh, a full reporting structure and software suite that allowed a business, not necessarily front of house, but more back of house, that needed to stay open no matter what. And we allowed them to get the data set to help them track down and contact trace if somebody was sick. But more importantly, we gave them a data set that allowed them to be proactive in tracking down those gross offenders who were not being respectful of each other, not understanding that they were too close for too long and they needed to change their behavior. And we gave them this constant feedback mechanism and loop through our data set and very basic, simple visual dashboards that allowed them to understand what was going on in those spaces. Um, we were in the news multiple times on ABC. Uh, we were on CBS. We were on uh, CNN, I believe, at one point. We had lots of different exposure because we were helping businesses stay open first and foremost. Uh, so, you know, one of our famous stories is a, out in Los Angeles, we had a, a major manufacturing facility actually have an outbreak. They used our contact tracing data. The previous time they had that before we were deployed, they had to shut down the entire operation. Obviously a huge impact to their business. Once they had our solution deployed, they were able to actually take that data, isolate three to five individuals through contact tracing, and it took them literally a couple clicks on our dashboard. They were able to test those people, send two or three home, and the rest of the business stayed open indefinitely, and they've never shut down since. Um, so that was pretty, you know, amazing use case and story that was put on the news, of course. Uh, it was a big win. Um, the other thing that happened is that we realized, well, now that we have this data set in this new environment, and this was sort of the industrial space I talked about, what if we want to understand that journey and help optimize it at the same time? So now we're taking the exact same data set and we're applying it to two use cases, one to keep people safe, two to help optimize their journey, whether it's manufacturing, a distribution center for PickPack, which we wound up doing for some very large 3PLs, um, or otherwise we were able to take that same data set and build additional algorithms that would study for optimization. So we're able to kind of build a two for one in that environment. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh boy, it does. And even more to unpack there. So let's rewind a little bit here because a lot of really good stuff there. I mean, I think Kalen hit on it just to kind of go a, a higher level there. Look, essential businesses are not going away. You know, right. it, it, right. it appears with the variants that yep. that are coming about as this particular pandemic, it's going to be around folks. And in essential businesses, whether you're a, a poultry processing plant or what have you, there are certain ones out there. And we I know we have a lot of resellers that listen to this that have those as their customers. You know, you have essential businesses that need to stay open. And and the solution that he was just talking about, Adam, with the wearable, is is it. I mean, it, it's, it, it is a real-world solution that you can provide that offers up that contact tracing that is we all now know. You know, if you had asked me about that a year and a half ago, what is contact tracing? 
did you lose a contact like in your <laughs> eye? Is that what you're talking you're about? To I mean, the floor? Yeah, yeah, I mean, everybody understands what contact tracing is now because we've all been right, through it. Right. Oh, you were in this close of proximity. You know, we've either gotten the email from work or from school. Oh, you, whatever. Your son or daughter was within close proximity. Right, right. Everybody understands that now. So uh, to Kalen's point, you now are, are armed with a solution that you can walk into those folks. It's a real world one that, that actually works um, and, and help there. I love where you went there uh, at the end there, uh, Kalen, with the warehousing, because yeah, when, mm -hmm. when, when now pivoting over to business efficiencies, you know, warehouses are always yep. that operation that is looking to get even more lean, even more efficient. How can we get the most out of our resources, whether they're employees or, or whatever, m machines and things like that? So it's interesting that you guys pivoted over there and now can provide real analytics on what the journeys, what's happening in this warehouse space, right? And then yep. glean business intelligence from that. Yeah, and, and it's, it's been fun because we've been continuing to find new use cases for the same data set. Um, you know, the initial response of some of our partners that found us for contact tracing quickly said, wait a minute. If you know where everybody is and for how long you know where they're going and for how long and which route they took, uh, you can locate their journey throughout my environment. And we said, absolutely. And so we partnered with, with a couple big brands that found us uh, to build out some solutions and we helped them build a business case. And it was very simple. If we could save about 2% of their employee labor costs, our system would pay for itself. We've estimated and forecast over 15 to 20% reduction in labor costs. And that doesn't mean we're letting people go. That means that we are optimizing routes, journeys, and figuring out how to make the entire operation more efficient uh, so people can do higher value activities. Uh, we're also literally tracking people riding around on forklifts and figuring out what the safest route through the warehouse or distribution or pick pack scenario might be, but also how do I stay clear of other employees so I don't have accidents. So there's a safety component with the COVID social distancing and contact tracing. There's a safety component with let's make sure we don't have accidents and keep our environment safe and open and have workman's comp claims and shutting down the, the facility. And then from there, how do I just optimize everything I've got and reduce so I can make sure that my margins are intact in a very tough world right now um, and make sure that, again, everything from safety to optimization of journeys is happening at a single point in time with the same data set. All you have to do is put our sensors in, turn them on, and in the employee space, we either put a badge or some sort of a wristband or a lanyard, depending on the environment, to make sure that they're safe with what the wearable is. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, obviously, we will live in the world of data capture, right, mm -hmm. and in and, and manipulating that data. But again, what I like about this particular uh, podcast is, again, opening the mind of our resellers just a little bit that, you know, this is still really important <laughs> data. It's part of the business intelligence that goes into the overall efficiency of businesses that we're interfacing with every single day. So, yeah. Pretty yeah. good stuff. Well, and we preach so much about actionable data. Yeah, like right. Th there's there's a lot of data and a lot of analytics. There's a mm -hmm. lot of stuff you can collect, and it's it, the big point is what can you do with that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you don't understand what to do with it, yep. you don't understand how to turn it into usable information that you, then you can then decide, hey, this is what we're going to do with our business because of what we've learned from this data. Mm -hmm. There's no point in collecting all of yeah, it. Right. And I feel like a lot of what they're offering is usable data that at the end of it you look at and you go, okay. 
I understand what we need to do with this now. Mm-hmm. I understand how we need to structure our facility. Mm-hmm. I understand now we, how we need to structure the way we operate and the way we decide where our people go on a daily basis. Um, maybe if you're thinking about introducing robots or something to your warehouse, I'm sure this kind of data would be yep. very helpful to help you figure out like, hey, this is exactly the place where the robots need to be mm-hmm. because this is the part where no matter what you do, there's a huge gap and a lag time. Mm-hmm. And having a robot here could fill that in and keep the people more productive still yep. at this point. I think yeah. that's the kind of useful yeah. stuff you could do. Yeah. I, I think the bottom line here, though, is, yeah. is again, this is why you know I, I said I like companies like Fast Sensor and you guys are way ahead of the game, I think, is that you basically did a pivot <laughs> within a pivot. <laughs> right. So you, you pivoted during the <laughs> pandemic to say, hey, here's how we nimble. can use this to yeah. help keep people safe. Right. And then in the process of doing that, said, hey, you know what? We can actually turn this into something that's long term useful outside of a pandemic and can yeah. help you with your business there, too. It's like Inception or something like yeah. a dream within a dream. dream you know? within. <laughs> so I like it. John, John, I, I think we call that a pirouette when you have two pivots and you <laughs> make a true. complete turn. Then we're then we're dancing at that point. So I think that's kind of more analogous to what we've done. So no, I, I appreciate it. And I just want to comment on something you said that's key. Data for the sake of data is worthless. Okay, if you don't have an application and use case, then you're just wasting your money. Um, what we've been able to do also is, you know, the, the pandemic was busy for us extremely, but it allowed us to step back and reevaluate what we were doing. And what we learned is we were really complicated hate to say it, but we were. We were ahead of the curve. We already knew that. And we were over people's heads. So we, with all due respect to ourselves, dumped it down, simplified it, made it easier to digest. And we started giving people actionable outputs, rebuilt dashboards, changed our visualizations, built heat maps, for example. So at a glance, anybody could look at our dashboard and our data set and say, I get it. I see what's going on. And and instead of trying to solve all the world's problems on one day, you pick one thing, maybe two things, right? And you focus on that. You use the data set to optimize and A-B test and change what's happening. And we become the measuring stick, which nobody had before. So when you can truly have the measuring stick, as they say, that which gets measured gets done, then you can make change. And you know we've learned through best practices and a number of different customers in the space now how to best deploy and how to best apply the data which is changing the game for their businesses. And it's very simple. And it's, this is not complicated stuff, rocket science. On the back end it is, but on the front end it's, here's what's happening, here's what we can do about it, and here's the value you're gonna see. Here's the efficiency, optimization, safety increase or otherwise. And it's, it's a lot easier than it used to be. We'll just put it that way. Man, I, I love that. Again, another, another sign of a smart company is a company that looks at what they're doing and says, mm-hmm. hey, what we're talking about is very complex. Let's figure out how to simplify it and to tell people exactly what they need to get out of this mm-hmm. and why it's going to be beneficial for them. Because I come across that a lot where I will see companies that I know are offering something that's useful and meets a need, solves a problem, you know, I, I, addresses a pain point. But the way they're explaining yeah. it and all the background right. of the technical part of it yep. is just way, way over, over everyone. Yeah. Even someone and as like, marketers, we love the simplistic. <laughs> yeah, of, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I, I appreciate that when you're when when a company can self-reflexively look at that and say, yeah. you know what, we understand what we're talking about. They don't they don't care about all the backside of this stuff. No. They don't care about all the details. They just no. want to know what it does for them and how it works. Yeah. And I appreciate that you guys can do that. So you know, let's. 
Let's shift over to events then. You know, we were talking mm-hmm. about that at the beginning of the well, this show. This is a good application sure. of it too. Yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. A, it's a great application. Events are coming back. It's a little slow. It's mm-hmm. we're not talking the same scale we were had mm-hmm. back in 2019. Um, in fact, there was I, I came across a blog post from you know, on your site that mentioned that maybe about 25 percent of the event space was still in operation, and it's going to be a slow crawl mm-hmm. back. You know, we're looking at late this year at best. Probably more like next year, or I would say even maybe 2023 before you get back to big, 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 big Mm -hmm. shows and and the same volume of shows. But to that point, though, also, I'm very curious about how that's going to pan out in the future, because, you know, a lot of these companies did these big shifts and went to virtual shows and some probably had more success than others. I know there's still that urge, you know, you you ask most salespeople, they want to be out there meeting Mm -hmm. people when they have those events. But Mm -hmm. I would also think there's a lot of companies that are going to think about scaling it back and they're, or they're more importantly, and this is where fast sensing can come in. They're going to think to themselves, Hey, how do I know that we're getting the most out of these shows? Mm -hmm. If I'm going to start investing this kind of money again into this, Mm -hmm. how do I know that what I'm investing matters and that that show, every facet of it from start to finish is exactly what I need it to be. Everything's where I need it to be. And I'm going to get everybody, everybody that's coming through there is going to get exactly what I want them to get out of it. So I know that's a big place where you help. So how does how does sure. the sensor analytics picture help out with that at the event side? Explain kind of your process there with mapping those journeys on the events and, and, and how that can benefit somebody thinking forward. Hey, I want to get back to this, but I also want to make sure that I'm getting the most bang for my buck mm-hmm. in the future. Yeah, great question. So first I'll say we were expecting things to start to pick up maybe the end of this year. Um, we were shocked. February, we did our first event, February 2021. And, you know, 800 plus people, private space. And we said, wow, I guess we're back. Uh, but let's see how this continues. Well, within a month or two, we started picking up. And now for the last two, three months, we're going gangbusters in events. I'm actually shocked. Um, we're getting phone calls every day. And here's what's different. When we talk to people, as you said, a lot of people moved virtually, right? They started doing different events. And all of a sudden, what did they get out of those virtual events? They got data. They got measurement. They got analytics. And they're now used to and conditioned to seeing, well, here's how many people came into your space, your room, so to speak. Here's how long they were there. Here's the things they were interested in, just like e-commerce, right? Well, then when they get back to physical face-to-face events, the leadership is saying, what do I get for this? Should we be there? What is the value of this? How do I know how many people I'm even reaching? Are people even showing up at the show? Should I even be there and spend these tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars? And the answer is they just want metrics. They want analytics. They want to understand the ROI. So I think that's driving the push and it's been good for us because that's what we do obviously in that space. And so we're getting a huge amount of increase. Uh, Some very big partners and agencies who are in this space have, have picked us up and are partnering with us to deploy. And the process is simple. We take the same sensor that we put in the warehouse or we put in the retail store and we deploy it within the booth. We'll start very simple at the booth. We can also do entire shows, but just say you've got a booth 30 by 30. We put sensors in the truss or we put them in and around your actual physical booth. You're not going to see them. Uh, We're doing the same type of measurement and the data is simple. We give you a brand impression metric. So about 45, 50 plus feet away, how many people saw my brand or with an eye shot? How long were, with, were they within view? So we call that uh, you know, brand impression overall and time in view. Then we say, how many people walk past your booth? Not came in, but walk past. And that's your total addressable market of potential conversion that you can grab in and hopefully attract with your people, your marketing, 
your booth or otherwise to come talk to you about your solution, whatever that might be. Then once they come in the booth, we actually study their behavior using artificial intelligence and machine learning, and we create a metric called a qualified visitor. And what that does is it cuts out your employees, it cuts out you know, the fixed assets within the building or the, the space, I should say, the booth. And we ultimately also are removing those corner cutters, you know, that guy who steps across your double padded carpet because it's so comfortable and his feet hurt, AKA me, I've been there a few times. We actually, through behavioral attributes, disqualify them and say, this person is a walk-by. They're not actually in your booth, right? Because if you're in your booth, you wanna know what was your conversion? How many leads did you get? How many customers did you close? How much new business did you do based on what you're trying to accomplish there? So we then break down that qualified visitor into attendee uh, analytics around browser engager behavior, very simple. And then we tell you how long they were there for, and then we actually subdivide that booth into areas, and we say this is how many people were interested in this activation versus this one. This is how long they spent. This is how they converted between the two. And then we visualize all of this with a very simple heat map that just shows you both in a sort of play mode, we can actually almost create a miniature movie out of it, or a freeze frame saying, here's the overall engagement and dwell time in your booth so you can better optimize it, measure the total impact, and make changes, most importantly, to that environment so for the next one it's better. And when you look back at your season and say, which show should I go to next year? You've got data instead of a guess. That's the primary difference. Does that all make sense? Yeah, it, it certainly does. It is powerful. I like I like the way that you teed that up in the sense that you know people are used to getting more and more analytical with their information. It's certainly on the marketing side, which is usually where event spend comes out of. Uh, you know, the atmosphere there or the need is to have analytics behind it. Really couldn't get that on on live events. So th this opens the door to that. But but again, we're opening the the idea here of enabling you know solution providers with this type of uh, analytics. And it's really cool stuff. Uh, what everything that he just described, and, uh, and also being able to convert or show you, you know, which which items within your booth had the most traction, those types of things. I mean, really, really can kind of help you refine what's what, how your business is doing in an event environment. But also, if you run events, really powerful there too as as a tool to help uh, plan. You know, where where things are going to go, what the workflow or what the flow looks like, and is it what you thought it would be. Mm -hmm. Or, or how do you plan that out better the next time? All of that key. It, it's it's just awesome how yeah. sensing technology, in, in this case, applied very narrowly, very good stuff. Well, I would think also if I were someone who puts on events mm -hmm. and it was my job to go out and recruit, you know, associations or, mm -hmm. you know, shows or, you know, certain events or also to, you know, help if you're in any way trying to help out with the you know, recruiting the people that are going to come to these shows and set up booths. Imagine having that kind of information in your back pocket where you could say, hey, you know what? Not only do we give you this great event space and all the perks and amenities that we might typically sell you on about having an event at our convention center, hotel, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Imagine being able to say, oh, and by the way, we work with this awesome company called Fast Sensor, and they helped us understand exactly how people flow and move throughout shows when they're here. Mm -hmm. We know the most popular doors mm -hmm. that people coming in out of. Uh, we know where people like to mingle and linger when they're on the show floor. We know a lot about, you know, what kind of booths seem to attract attention. So imagine you can you can approach somebody and say, hey, do you want to hold the XY National Convention here this year? Mm -hmm. We want a piece of that. And here's part of the reason oh, yeah. why we think we should be the ones to do it, not just because of all the perks we usually offer, yeah. but because we also have done all this great 
analytics and have all this data. Well, they and have we the can help you. Set. Yeah, we can help you figure out exactly how to how to 100%. set up your show floor. Well, yeah, because too. now if you're an event organizer, you can offer to that booth exhibitor a powerful tool that yep. they didn't have in the past. And which, by the way, you're comparing it to maybe the sales rep that's working in there that maybe has you know ulterior motives. Oh, I had I don't know, 100 people come by my booth and they're all good <laughs> prospects. Now let's see the analytics. You know <laughs> right, right. how many of those people were actually engaged in the booth and stuff like that. So anyway, or went to a really show and doesn't actually know anything about how to set their booth up. It's just like, hey, I got a bunch of stuff in boxes. I got a couple tables. Yeah. I'm just going to set it all out. And yeah. that's it. That's all I need to do, right? Yeah. That'll, yeah. that'll, the, the, it'll just come to me. It'll happen organically, right? And it's not that easy. Right. Oh, so. but where I'm most intrigued and, and, and think this technology is really whiz bang. And, and Kaylin, maybe you can talk to this a little bit is, is on the retail side because, sure. you know, there's just a lot mm-hmm. of, analytics going into retail, you know, coming out of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Again, one of those things that store owners, whether they're huge, uh, you know, stores to to even the small stores need to see, you know, have very impactful experiences in the retail environment. Having some analytics behind that can be very, very powerful in how they're they're managing their their environments, how they set them up, things like that. So what are you seeing in the retail space? Let's talk a little bit about, well, first off, how your solution is applied in there and then some of the ways in which you're seeing people use it. Sure. Great, great, great question. So retail is a different journey, you know, the customer journey, so to speak. And every sales cycle or process is a funnel, right? You guys are marketers. You understand that you grab the largest at the top and you try to filter as many of those through to the bottom. So right now, most retailers have a funnel of measurement, which is generally two different metrics. If they have some sort of door counter, which is usually a computer vision solution at this point, an overhead camera that counts how many bodies walk beneath it, Um, then they have a point of sale. Here's how many transactions I did. So they've got two stops for their their funnel. Okay, what if we added three to four more layers to that and gave them a more complete picture of what that funnel looks like and gave them the tools to measure the conversion from stage to stage? And in a nutshell, that's our retail solution. So we actually reach outside the business with our sensors and our AI running inside the business, and we can pick up what's called a walk-by, just like your trade show. So one of our solutions, we simply sell a walk-by counter. And that's one of the newer things that we rolled out post-COVID. It's plug and play. We put an LTE SIM on board. You don't even need to plug it into the Wi-Fi or pull a cable to it other than get it power. And you can plug it in and you can literally measure how many people walk by your real estate. Well, what does that mean? That's the value of your rent. Okay, if I'm a retailer and I'm paying top dollar to be in this amazing mall, or on Rodeo Drive in Beverly Hills, or down in Manhattan somewhere at $1,000 a square foot, what am I getting? Okay, you're, you're buying walk-by, you're buying exposure for your brand. So we measure that as our first metric. The second metric is a walk-in. If they have an existing door counter, use yours, no problem. We'll ingest the data into our dashboards to help visualize it for you. And we will, by the way, do that at no charge. If any retailer wants to use our dashboards, we have a freemium model we will ingest the door counter data plus the point of sale data and give them access to basic analytics for free. Okay, so that's a new thing we rolled out. But what we do is we then add our walk-by on the front. We call that storefront analytics. And then once they move through the walk-in, we're now gonna measure, just like at that trade show booth, what happened with the journey once they step inside. So we will measure their behavior through AI and we will figure out where they go in the store. We also subdivide the store into different categories or departments or areas. 
and we can measure how many people went for how long. We can measure the entire journey of the visit uh, from a time perspective and qualify their behavior to say, you're not really behaving like a customer. So just like that corner cutter at the trade show or the guy who rested his feet on your carpet, what about the delivery guy who walks in the door, drops the package, and 22 seconds later turns around and leaves? Should your store manager be punished because you didn't convert him? No, he's not a customer, okay? So that's the difference between having a walk-in metric and having a qualified visitor metric. We actually qualify with a 95% confidence interval through behavior, do you actually behave like a customer, okay? Then we take that a step further and we say, are you browsing or are you engaging? And again, this is the power of AI, studying every journey and the engagers have a high correlation with purchase or transaction behavior. So then what we're doing is we're starting with that walk-by, we go to the walk-in, we go to the qualified visitor, we go to the browser engager, we go to the point of sale. There's your funnel, that's what we're measuring and we're adding the time components and then we can actually take the heat map and show you visually last week, last month, last year, where did people visit in my store? Where did they go and for how long? And do I have the right labor, both at the time and place that I need it? And that's a labor optimization metric, clearly, as you can see the application. Do I have the right merchandising strategy? Are people flowing and spending time where I want them to? Why are they sitting in the shoe section but nobody's looking at accessories? What's going on? Um, and then one of the other sort of magical points that people don't understand is when you only have part of the picture and you say, well, I sold this many shoes, I'm a shoe retailer, but you didn't realize that the average customer was spending three times the amount of time at your accessories, at your, than at your shoes, but they weren't buying, then what's going on? Well, I've got a problem. I've got salespeople who don't know what they're doing, uh, or, and I need some training potentially and some coaching, uh, maybe I've got the poor pricing, whatever it might be, I need to figure it out. So our goal is to create questions as much as create answers. I hope that makes sense. It sure does. And I'm going to connect the dots to a POS reseller and why everything that Kaylin just said is very, very relevant to your world. One of the one of the uh, trends happening in the retail space is dynamic pricing models. You know, the ability to dynamically mm -hmm. change pricing I'll say in real time, it's gonna get there. So how are you gonna enable your customers yep. to do that if you're a POS reseller? You need the type of analytics that Kalen just talked about. Yep. Uh, they're, they're gonna be able to show you that, hey, yeah, people are lingering over here at whatever, the accessory area, but maybe it is a price miss. You know, it, it, Why are so many people hanging out there but they're not buying? Well, if you, you know, if you have some sophistication going on in the background through AI and things like that, people can make better decisions. You can and start tapping into a trend which is going to be dynamic pricing models. Another thing that I know a lot of our resellers are getting into is predictive analytics. He just he just he just told you, you know, that we now have a solution that you can walk <laughs> into and you can enable your end users, your merchants with that type of information so that they can start doing some predictive analytics. Oh yeah, if we put this stuff over here, you know, we predict that it's going to have whatever kind of upsell. You can't do that if you just have you're just doing people counter and POS data. You don't have have enough data points so 
it's it's this level, and this is why I think it's so important for us to bring companies like Fast Sensor to the foreground uh, with with a lot of our partners because they can help enable you with that solution that is definitely going to be relevant in the years to come. Because I'm telling you, retail spaces are are being more scrutinized and than ever before. Squeezing every single yep. penny out of uh, you know the floor space there is critical. So when you can walk to the table with this kind of sophistication AI, but real data, you know, data that is actually measuring it, you're going to be the hero. Another another trend that's out there is just this whole customer-centric model, right? Yep. It, yep. It's all about the customer. And so when you can map what your customers are actually doing and having that kind of real-world data, not just guesses, not hearsay from your floor attendees, oh, yeah, you know, that kiosk seemed to have a lot of people around it. I right. don't know. Right. No, 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 no. We've got actionable data here that, that you can look at and you can leverage. Really powerful stuff. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's funny. I feel like like customer journey has been a buzzword in retail and a lot of mm -hmm. industries, honestly, for quite some time now. But I like that we, that's that's literally what we're talking about here now. Not just yeah, the, like the physical journey yeah, in the store. Not right. the perception of the journey, but the literal <laughs> yeah. journey that a customer takes when, right. they, when they step into a yep. store. And let's be honest, we, we're all about in retail. We've talked many times on the show about omni-channel. Yep. And right. the whole, the the bridge between what they're what someone's doing online at home, what they're doing on their phones, what they're doing in stores, and the expectations of all of those things mm -hmm. connecting together and flowing well together. Mm -hmm. And I, th I think a lot of times the store piece can be the most difficult to insert into that, even though it's where you want mm. your customers to ultimately be and you love for them to be there because you can potentially get with them one-on-one -on -one and help mm -hmm. upsell them directly. It can be the hardest thing to do because they may have an experience that they're used to, whether it's in their app or on a website, that they love that. They love how e easy it is to shop, to find all the, the categories that they're looking for, to browse around there. But then they step into your store and suddenly it's different. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work. It doesn't flow the same way. Mm -hmm. It's it, the stuff that they are always looking for online is shoved into the back <laughs> corner somewhere. And you don't necessarily know that because you don't know what they've necessarily been doing online. Yeah. And you're, and you're not equipping your store to match up to that. Mm -hmm. I think of a practical example from, from my old retail days, now going back like 20, 20, 15, 20 years or so, I worked in a bookstore. And, you know, there was always, it was, it was a company, they're out of business now. And, you know, you can say the reason why a bookstore is out of business, but I, it, it doesn't hurt that I think they, they didn't have that kind of approach to, mm -hmm. you know, uh, an individual store having individual needs and, and, and changes beyond just the, the broad corporate umbrella. Yeah. So you, every month you get your planogram. Yep, right. Here's mm -hmm. where all this stuff needs to be. Mm -hmm. You're going to put, we're going to put these books up here this, this month. We're going to put these books over here this month. Mm -hmm. We want this section moved back to the back of the store. Mm -hmm. Well, an example is business books. Let's yeah, say right. they decided, Hey, we're going to sci-fi, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Or yeah, like, yeah. like, but let's say in the business world, we're going to feature all of our hot new business books right up front mm -hmm. in, in the mm -hmm. store. Well, if you worked at a downtown store, that made sense. You know, it was right next to all the the downtown businesses and the banks, and you know, you had business businessmen and women were were constantly moving through and going to that store. Maybe they liked seeing all the business books and grabbing those up front. But let's say you're just working in a rural store somewhere out in the middle of nowhere, mm -hmm. where people are, you know, they're not business type people. They're just, you know, blue collar workers. You know, mm -hmm. you know, they're they're just out. You know, uh, they want to go into a store and pick up something to read for the day. Something, some a fun escapism type yeah, read. They're more something. into sci-fi, right? Right. They yeah. don't care about the 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 uh, the business books. Mm -hmm. Why would they want to see those up front first thing? Yeah. And it, it it fell on like me as one of as the manager for the store and in my employees to kind of spot trends. And I remember one a big one was. Manga, the the Japanese comics. Yes, 
which was mm. this huge boom. We had a, I worked in a mall store, so we had a lot of teenagers that uh-huh, came uh-huh. in, preteens and teenagers. And when that stuff took off, they loved it. And initially, we had that section like buried, buried beyond <laughs> half, three quarters of the way back into the store. And I remember right. saying, "Look, I'm seeing a lot of people coming in here and looking and asking about this stuff. One, we need more of it. Two, it needs to be up front. Yeah. So All we right. moved it. It was one, literally one of the first sections as you walked. Like you had to get past the counter to get to it. But uh-huh. when you walk past the counter, that was one of the first sections. It it started off as this big A-frame, was filled both sides, took up a wall space eventually. Mm. We sold hundreds of thousands of dollars, I'm sure, every, every each year of that stuff mm-hmm. just because we put it in a better placement. And it was not something that the corporate office had any particular interest in for a while. Oh, sure. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, that's so the kind of had stuff. You only had some sensing technology exactly. to say, hey, look, everybody's kind of aggregating <laughs> exactly. around there. Yeah, I could have right. been I could have went to them and told them, like, hey, look, I can prove this to it's you. It's not because, just my opinion. Here's the data. Right. All, yeah. it, all these people we have coming to the store, they're going <laughs> yeah. right back there to that section. That's right. So that that's section right. should be higher value. Yeah, good so, stuff. Good yeah, stuff. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Totally. You guys get it, John. <laughs> good. Hey, we got it. Yeah, there it is. We're just as smart as Fast Sensor, right? No, not even close. Uh, well, hey, this has been a great conversation. Before we get on to the value of the bar and kind of give you some more takeaways, although I feel like we got into quite a few of them there, too. Uh, you know, first of all, thank you to our sponsors for the show, Elo Epson, Honeywell, and Zebra. We could not do this without you. We appreciate your support. Uh, hey, if you have uh, some suggestions for stuff you'd like for us to talk about, uh, if you have some questions about maybe like what Fast Sensor does, mm-hmm. or if you think of some other companies that you would like us to talk to or reach out to, uh, you can find us on Twitter at TechConnectPod. You can also email us, techconnect at bluestarinc.com. All right, let's wrap things up with the first, the value to the VAR. Yep. And again, Dean, you did a great uh, job, I think, in the last segment there of kind of, you know, pulling in a, you know, a lot of our, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of our VARs are in the retail space. And so I think yeah. that's, that's where this may be the most relevant to them. But Kaylin, I want to ask you, you know, if, if a VAR is thinking about all this and thinking, man, I'd love to be able to talk about this stuff with some of my customers, what should they be looking for? What should they be asking their customers in order to kind of kickstart this conversation where these sensors and these kind of analytics and data might be a good solution for them? Sure. Great question. I mean, the first question is to their partners and, and clients, how are you measuring what's happening in your physical spaces? Do you understand what your customers are interested in? Do you know what your real estate is worth. You know, how many people are you converting through your funnel? Um, I mean, we can go a lot of different ways. Ideally, we find something that the customer is trying to solve, of course, the age-old pain point question. And it might be something as simple as labor. My labor is killing me. Those costs are through the roof. What if I could bring you a solution that could help you understand when and where to staff and save on labor costs and while optimizing revenue and customer experience? and increasing and enhancing your margin. Yes, I'm interested. So it can be as simple as that. Um, but you know, we like to start very simple and start, as I said, at the front of the store. Um, do you know how many people are walking by your business? Do you know what the value of your real estate is, is the underlying question, right? And then are you converting them? What are you doing? Or what if you could measure your entire customer journey? It's a very simple one. And understand how people are flowing through and use that data to optimize many different aspects of your business. So you can go on and on. There's lots of use cases. Find the pain point, ask the question. Most importantly, just get the door open, get them interested and excited. And then, you know, frankly, give us a call. Let us help you drive this through. Uh, we're doing, you know, simple as just straight referral to, to VARs if they don't want to get in and understand all the details because it takes a lot. 
Um, and then for a few select folks, we make them full value-added resellers and they go to market on their own. We obviously are supporting them directly, but we can start really simple. And I wanna say that just so people don't get scared away and say, I don't have a hundred hours to figure this out. Well, mm. we'll help you, don't worry about it. So hopefully that helps. Yeah, and Kalen's dead on there. I mean, they have resources, they're very channel friendly, they totally understand, like, like I said, we've been working with them for years, they totally understand our ecosystem. Look, the analytics conversation can be a difficult one, but it's really important for our solution providers to understand it or at least know how to open the door. I love that, Kalen. You know, just <laughs> open the door, let the experts talk about it. But at the end of the road, look, there is this unification going on. I also like the fact that he brought up the fact that, you know, people are used to online data. And how do you get some of this real world data, what I'll call offline data, right? It's, it's the data that's happening in a physical space. And there's a need for that. There's yeah. going to be a continuing marrying and unification of that information. You want to be in that fold in order to provide your end users, your customers, with the right solutions moving forward. That's why companies like this are so key. Yep. You know, and I think also, I think I've mentioned this before, it's okay to be that partner that tells somebody where there's a problem in their business. Oh, yeah. And you don't necessarily have to That's be a jerk about it. That's the challenger marketing, right? Yeah, hey. You, you don't have to be a jerk about it. You don't have to, you know, go in and say, oh, you guys are screwing everything up here. No wonder you're <laughs> failing so bad. How is this even, though, yeah, how are you right. keeping the lights on? But more of a, you know, if they're not asking, if they're not telling you those pain points, either figuring out how to ask those directed questions that get mm -hmm. them to tell you the pain point that you're clearly seeing. Mm -hmm. And if not, just simply pointing out, hey, I'm looking around right now, like just looking at your store or looking at your warehouse floor. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing some places where there's some inefficiencies. I think I think something better could be done about that. I've got some friends over at Fast Sensor. They'd yep. love to come in and talk to you a little bit about go. this. There's no reason Boom. why you can't have that kind of conversation. Boom, right there. Yeah. Just that easy. Yep. yep. Exactly. Yep. Done. I'm sold. <laughs> Well, Dean's still, that's it. We're, good right. night, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Good night, everybody. We're done here. Welcome to the team. That's right. <laughs> well played. All right. Hey, let's uh, wrap up with our favorite segment of each week, What's Tech Connecting With Us? This is where we talk about something in the world of technology, science, innovation that's yes. caught our eye, got our attention, terrifying us, whatever it might be. Kayla, I'll let you start. What's Tech Connecting With You right now? You know, I hope this isn't too generic or self-serving, but I'm being sincere when I say it's anything AI. And I'd like to differentiate between buzzword AI and real artificial intelligence and machine learning and deep learning. So there's a lot of folks out there that are jumping on the bandwagon and claiming they've got artificial intelligence that's driving decision-making and engines behind the scene. There's a few people who really get it and a lot that don't. So what's really exciting to me is those companies who really get it. And I'm not talking about just fast sensor. There's a number out there but people who truly understand the value of machine learning. And the way I describe it is a system that can learn through additional data sets and every data point that it gets, it gets smarter because it refines the way that it thinks, so to speak, is real AI and machine learning. And it's a system that can take a massive amount of data and process it in a way that simplifies it so a human brain can make sense of it. Um, and I know I'm not an AI scientist myself, so I'm giving you a delay person's, the Kalen version of the world related to AI and ML, but I really, really, really am excited by all the applications of sifting through these massive data sets because through the advent of sensor technology and all sorts of types, not just radio frequency or thermal like we're doing, but everything, and taking all that data and being able to simmer it down or titrate it down, going back to our high school chemistry days, 
into something that's valuable, that nugget that I can take and understand and apply, that's exciting and that's going to change the world. And it's happening faster than we think. And mm -hmm. I'm really excited by those who are doing it right and not just the people marketing to it that really are just yeah. doing some really, really simple things behind the scenes. So that's, that's my quick answer. So I'm gathering you're an AI optimist and not an AI <laughs> pessimist and that, that, that the machines are going to wake and we're all doomed, right? You're an AI optimist. You're not on the Elon Musk where it might go, hey, yep. we need to be sensitive to this AI stuff because we're going to be ruled by others. He doesn't it, see the, future, the Terminator future. He doesn't see the Terminator yeah. future like quite like some of us sitting in this room might. Hey. <laughs> He's talking about me. Yeah, well, look, <laughs> look, sincerely, you know, Skynet could exist at some point, you know, going right. back to our Terminator references. Um, I, <laughs> I, I'm an AI optimist for sure. I think that there needs to be, you know, some very, very uh, smart and well-directed folks who are keeping an eye on things, no question. I also Maybe, think yeah. that some – yeah, absolutely. And, and some of it is overblown as to what's going to happen. But there is a real possibility that eventually things get smarter than the people who built them. And, you know, there is risk with this. So we need to figure out how, and I'm not going to, you know, try to tell you how we need to make this happen as a world and a society or as a government, but definitely there is value. And it's going to happen whether we like it or not because it's here. And we're finding use cases and applications to apply this data set and if we have good people at the helm and good people watching, I think we're going to be okay. Um, but there's definitely a risk. There's no question about that. I'm not going to argue. It is exciting stuff out there. Uh, yeah. No, so no in doubt. other words, we need a fast sensor type company to be. There in you go. Of stuff. Excellent. Kalen is the czar. We we're just dubbed you the czar. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Dean. What's that connecting with you? Well, I'm sorry. I'm not going to get as deep as AI and ML on this one, but uh, you know, another market that's kind of overheating is is the home market, right? Right. right. Uh, so, what do you think? Mm. What's the maximum you would pay to build a house? What do you think? I mean, I guess it depends on how much you have to pay. And, and maybe where it is, little hint well, there. yeah, that would have a lot to do right. with it, too. Yes. Okay, so how about Northrop, that they won the contract to build a $935 million house, but it's going to orbit the moon for NASA. Uh. <laughs> Wow. So that's pretty, you know, that's a pretty hefty. If you ask me a billion dollars to start buying, building homes that are going to be on a moon orbit uh, is, is what they want. I, first off, I because didn't Because we haven't cluttered up our, you know, orbit well, enough. Right, yes. Yeah, now we got to go to the, the moon. Moons up too, well, yeah. first off, I didn't even know the contract was out there. I mean, I didn't know that NASA was building <laughs> Were homes. Were you hoping to bid on it? I mean, well, I don't know, you know. I mean, hey, it's, it's going to be an outpost. So, so I guess if we're going to get to Mars, you need that outpost to, to hit. And then that's like one step. There's your number, no, 900. $35 million to build that baby. Yeah, that might be a little bit more than I'm willing to spend. A little bit, yeah. Just, I don't even just, know what the mortgage just, on that would be. <laughs> be pretty ugly. Uh, What's that connecting with you? Well, since Kalen went with the optimistic side of AI, oh. I've got a story that's the pessimistic side. <laughs> oh, okay. So here's a headline from CNBC. Future AI toys could be smarter than parents, but a lot less protective. <laughs> Uh, okay. So basically, it's talking about how like a lot of toys are starting to be built that have AI in them that's meant to communicate with children and mm -hmm. learn about them and be able to do things based on you know what their interests are, potentially okay. even what their emotions are, what they're feeling that day. Uh, there, right now, there's a pretty high barrier to entry though because there's uh, you know or at least for purchasing because the prices are just they're very Ridiculous. high and there's not sure. a lot of them on the market necessarily. Sure. So, but you know it, it kicks off saying the thought of a child's toy listening 
listening in on family 24-7 is unsettling. While smart toys can be useful educational tools for kids, they do pose some privacy risks. And it mentions, uh, as an AI toy starts to learn the child, this means the toy in the next 15 years, I don't know who keeps a toy that long, but uh, will be smarter than the parent and gather all of this data that could one day hurt the child. Now... <laughs> I'm going to also point out that this is said by Will I Am, a, the singer-songwriter formerly of the Black Eyed Peas. Black Eyed Peas, yes. But he's uh-huh. also chair of the World Economic Forum Smart Toys Awards Judging Committee. So he's a big, oh, he's really, he's big yeah. into this stuff. Okay. Yeah, I did not know this. Uh, so basically what they're kind of suggesting is that as these new AI toys come out, mm-hmm. there is a definitely, yeah, there's some great benefit of them. Like imagine putting one down in front of a child who's, who's struggling to learn or sure. has yeah. maybe some learning disabilities. Absolutely. And it can, you know, a smart a toy to is mm-hmm. not going to have the patience issues that maybe an adult or a parent might have in trying to teach a child like that. Mm-hmm. So maybe they can learn and adapt and understand like what works and what mm-hmm. doesn't and, and help them respond accordingly. But mm-hmm. yes, the flip side of that is the potential darker side is, I don't know, maybe you get Chucky in the end, you know, like it, <laughs> it learns so much about you and just one you day decides. There, John. You yeah. One day it decides. I was thinking about Chucky. <laughs> See? The whole time you were talking, I was going, he's going to go Chucky. Exactly. So I'm, I'm afraid now. <laughs> one day it decides, you know what? Your parents aren't very good for you i'll take care of that you know like i mean i got your back but i do get it though there is definitely some you know again this is one of those places where you want the manufacturers to Mm -hmm. not necessarily be in it just for the profits but to understand the the ramifications ramifications right the emotional ramifications you know it actually reminds me very much of that film ai the steven spielberg oh yeah right slash Mm -hmm. uh stanley kubrick you know as kubrick started it spielberg finished it it was all about the family that adopted an AI boy into their family. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of they they play a lot of with that concept of mm-hmm. artificial intelligence as part of our lives and what that means and how we might react to it. So it was an interesting story. But, yeah, it's one of those ones that you just kind of oh, you shudder a little bit about it. Like, you know, what could that actually mean? And uh, I'm still a Kalen. I'm still an AI optimist. Yeah. You and know? let's be honest. It won't be our problem. Like our kids are not going to have that stuff. They're going to. All right. Uh, Miles, kids. maybe we'll kick it down the old enough. But, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Okay. It's not our problem. We'll it's just not our problem. Yeah. we'll we'll let the future figure it out. You know, we'll let them figure out Skynet and the Terminators, whatever. <laughs> they'll just they'll find John Connor, send him back. It's okay. We'll be good. All right. Uh, <laughs> That's what's tech connected with us this week. Kaylin Welch from Fast Center. Thank you so much for thanks, being with Kaylin. us today. Thank you. And hey, if you want to learn more about Fast Sensor, you can obviously visit fastsensor.com or reach out to your Blue Star representative. Yep. We'd be happy to connect you with the team and, yep. and set up a conversation. So, yep. hey, but until next time, unfortunately, we do have to unplug in the immortal words of Aerosmith life's a journey, not a destination. Nice. Stay connected, everybody. As offices consider how, when, or even if they should reopen, it's clear that the way we work has changed forever. of companies are planning a hybrid approach and office space is primed to be reconfigured and maximized. That makes now the perfect time to offer ELO touchscreen solutions to help corporate customers modernize their office and keep all employees connected no matter where they are. Self-service wellness screening kiosks, virtual receptionists, interactive wayfinding displays, easy to use meeting room management systems and conference room collaboration solutions unify a hybrid workforce and streamline operations. To learn more, check out the link in the show notes or contact the Blue Star ELO team to discuss your customers' needs. The day-to-day use of enterprise mobile devices is integral to distribution, warehousing, manufacturing, retail, and more. But relying on employees to locate, properly maintain, and return these devices can be a struggle that costs your customers time and money. Introducing Zebra Intelligent Cabinets, the rugged and durable storage solutions available in multiple configurations and security options. 
Designed to charge, maintain, and keep mobile devices cool and accessible, intelligent cabinets mean no more time wasted tracking down devices at the start of a shift, waiting for a recharge, or making surprise repairs or replacements. Monitoring options provide real-time visibility into device status, charge levels, and devices in use. Help your customers guard their asset investments and maximize the life of their mobile devices with Zebra Intelligent Cabinets. Check out the link in the show notes or contact your Zebra representative to learn more.